Thank you to Atomic Child for sponsoring this episode of Three Spooked Girls. Do you love the outdoors? Do you wish you had a way to keep it with you throughout your time at home while social distancing? Well, we have something to share with you. Atomic Child is an artist-run brand that is inspired by nature. They capture the great outdoors through unique designs. Their designs can be found on a variety of items, including stickers, blankets, water bottle, mugs, which you know is one of our favorite things on the planet. Oh, yeah. Also on pins, patches, and so much more. One of my favorite designs of theirs is the Yeti water bottle. The artwork is literally in the shape of a Yeti. And it's really cool because inside the silhouette of the Yeti, there's this like mountain range and some foresty design going on. Mm. And I love it. They also have a cute little unicorn patch that I think you would really like, Jessica. They have a unicorn patch? I love unicorns. It's my favorite thing. I instantly thought of you. I was like, ordering now for Jessica. (laughs) I have a unicorn problem. It's true. Yes. And you can check out all their vibrant products that live up to their slogan. We bring nature to you. You can find them at AtomicChild.com. That's A-T-O-M-I-C-C-H-I-L-D.com. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello. That was a weird hello, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. It threw me off. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck came out of my mouth? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's not me. Okay. Hello. (laughs) It's okay, though. There's a demon in my house. Demon. Uh, And today we are bringing you guys another Spookster Club Select episode. This time it is dedicated to our patron, Kitty. Kitty, you're awesome. Thank you so much. She is actually at our Spookster swag tier. I couldn't remember the name for two seconds. She's at our $25 tier. So it's fucking amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you, Kitty. We appreciate you. We love you. We love you. She has chosen today's topic. I am going to be covering the Hall Mills murder. But before we get into that, you can catch us on all the social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are just at Three Spooked Girls. Or we have our amazing Facebook group that is probably our favorite spot on the interwebs these days. And always, it's Three Spooked Girls Official. You can come hang out with us over there when you are hearing this. Tomorrow will be the watch party over there for Jessica's belated birthday celebrations. So if you want to come watch something with us, come hang out with us there. Technically, it's not that belated because I will be celebrating my birthday that weekend because of quarantine and... Y'all have been, if you were hanging out in the Facebook group, you may have been voting on how I'm spending my birthday. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That was fun to do. I'm going to have to do that next year for sure. It was fun. But if you would like to support the show and possibly have an episode all your own, just like Kitty is today, you can head to our link tree in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash three spooked girls. We have a bunch of different tiers you can check out. They range from a dollar up to 50, all kinds of cool stuff. You can check it out. But all tiers do get our bonus content that's patron only each and every month. So head on over there if you want to check it out. But yeah, that's really all I got on that. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and dive on in. So this case is actually pretty old. We're going to go back into the 1920s, Jessica. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so our story starts on September 16th, 1922. A young couple in New Brunswick, New Jersey, they were out for a stroll on a dirt road. So you might know where that's going, especially for the time period. This was a lover's lane type of area. Ooh, do lover's lanes still exist? I don't know. I don't either. I'm too old to know. (laughs) (laughs) This couple was 23-year-old Raymond Schneider and 15-year-old Pearl Bomber. So, eh, cringy on the age thing, but we all know that, sadly, women became wives at, like, 15, 16. That was pretty standard back then. I'm sorry, that's still skis. Right? I agree. So, their date would be cut short when they came across two bodies laying on the ground with their feet pointed to the nearby crabapple tree. The male was dressed in a dark gray suit with a white shirt, a white tie, and had a Panama hat covering his face. What else was weird about this was his hand was on the neck of the person next to him, not like strangling, but just like touching. And this person was a female. Uh Uh-oh. Now, the female, she was dressed in a blue polka dot dress with a brown silk scarf around her neck. Her hand was shown to be on his hip slash knee. When you look at the picture of them laying down, it looks more hip, but some sources said knee. And I'm like, "Mm, maybe it's just a depth thing, but somewhere on his leg, just kind of like sitting there. Okay. Of course, coming across two dead bodies would scare the crap out of anyone. But luckily, the young couple was smart about it. They didn't just flee and be like, not our problem, peace. They did the right thing. They went to a nearby farmhouse and they called the cops who was there in literally just a couple minutes. They responded really quickly to this. Now, the authorities were able to ID the victims rather quickly due to the fact that the male's business card was propped up against his shoe on the like the sole of his foot because he's laying down, right? So his business card was sitting there. Okay. Right? You're going to make that face a lot. Just wait. The male and female would be 41-year-old Edward Hall and 34-year-old Eleanor Mills. Ah. Mm-hmm. Hence the name. So Edward was a reverend at St. John's Church, and people also described him as a pillar in the community. So, you know, he's very well known. They knew who he was when they saw the card and all that stuff. They also knew that Eleanor wasn't his wife. Oh. Scandal. Mm-hmm. Edward's wife of 10 or so years, her name was Frances, and uh, some tea on Frances. She was actually one of the heiresses to the Johnson & Johnson surgical supply fortune, like the Johnson & Johnson. Okay, get it. Her net worth alone for herself, because she had siblings as well, was $2 million, which in today's money would be about $30 million for just her. I mean... Like, she married a preacher. Mm -hmm. He a bougie preacher. He is now. And they had been married, like I said, for about a decade or so. And she was also seven years his senior. So he was was married to an older, rich woman. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And of course, some people kind of sighed out about that being like, mm-hmm, we know why you married her, but whatever. So the woman that's not Edward's wife, Eleanor, we're going to get back to her. So Eleanor was actually a member of Edward's church and she was in the choir and she was also a prominent member of the woman's group there, Bible study group thing. So she's probably like one of the leaders or something. And she was married as well. Her husband's name was James or Jimmy, and he was a sexton at the church, too. So they were all all within this church. And basically, if you don't know what a sexton is, it's essentially like a maintenance worker or someone who does like janitorial duties, things like that. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know what a sexton is. I didn't either. Isn't that that thing you like use on a boat? I don't know. I didn't know what that meant. So I Googled it. I was like, Sexton for a church. And it could tell me that. I was like, oh, okay. Thank you, Google. Yes. Thank you, Google. And they were married when Eleanor was 15. So they, you know, they'd been together a long time, almost 20 years. And they lived a modest life. You know, he didn't make very much money, but they had a house and all that. And they also had two children named Charlotte and Daniel. Now, like we already kind of side-eyed, you're probably wondering why they were murdered together or why were they hanging out? What's going on? But I'm sure you can guess. The two were actually having an affair. Big shock. (gasps) Shock. I'll delve more into that in a minute, but I want to go over the condition they were found in first because this kind of leads us to that. So something to note is that both victims were shot with a 32 caliber weapon, and that's also something to kind of put in your back pocket. So Ed was shot once in the head above his right ear and the hat kind of concealed that. So once they lift the hat off him to see his face, they could see that because it entered through the right side and exited on the left. Well, Eleanor, let's talk about our girl Eleanor for a second. She had a little bit more done to her. She was shot three times, once in the right temple. And according to the autopsy report, this bullet did exit the cranial cavity But it was lodged into her scalp on the left side, so it was still in there. Okay. The second shot was at her right eye, and that bullet stayed in her cranial cavity. Then the last shot was about two inches above the bridge of her nose, and that one stayed lodged in as well. Wow. Yes. On top of that, because there's more. She had a busted lip, which on the paperwork and stuff had like a question mark. So they're like, we don't know if that's from the attack or something bad happened before that. We don't know. And she also had two cuts, not just like paper cuts, like with a knife cuts on her neck. Got it. The first one looks like it didn't say, but it's like maybe something had went wrong or it was while she was still alive because it's described as going awry because it's cutting on her neck, but then it like goes down into her chest. So it's like they were trying. Uh, So like maybe she was fighting back. Right. Got it. The second cut essentially finishes what the original cut was meant to do. Like it was the rest of her neck. This is legit. The definition of overkill. Yeah. And there's more. The thing that's like kind of appalling is this was actually, if you think the 20s, this is when media is like eating this kind of shit up. So according to the New York Times, her neck was, quote, cut so deeply that her jugular vein, windpipe, esophagus and neck muscles were completely severed and her backbone could be easily seen. Well, damn. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't scream personal, I don't know what does. Because she was a choir singer and they took everything out of her throat, which they never found that stuff, by the way. Oh, okay. But yeah, so gross. Mm -hmm. Stop taking people. It's like Ed Kemper. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. So also at the crime scene was some love letters. 
and they were torn up and kind of strewn about and stuff like that. These were between Edward and Eleanor. And apparently it was basically a part of the town gossip that something had been going on between them. But both their spouses were like, nope, nothing's happening. My husband or wife's not cheating on me. No, no. It's also noted that people started noticing the two spending quite a bit of time together or having one-on-one time and things like that around 1917 to 1919. So at least a couple years back. So this has been an affair for a while. But You know, it was just one of those things where it was like the town gossip. People just knew it, whatever kind of thing. Well, obviously, the letters confirm that, you know, this was a legit thing, not just a rumor and adds fuel to the fire and all that. So, you know, what happens? The news of the murders travels around so fast that people just start flocking to this crime scene. Oh, good. That's what they need. Mm -hmm. And even while they're doing the investigation, people are touching things. People are grabbing things. It said that people were passing around Edward's business card and looking at it and stuff. So it's like, hello. I mean, I know it's the 1920s, but contamination, you should have that as evidence, not fucking. I mean, I don't know what they could do back then, but I'm just like. No. (laughs) It's very limited what they can do. Right? Exactly. But being in 2020, it's like, holy fuck, why? Well, in 2020, like, they wouldn't be allowed within, like, 100 yards of the crime scene. Oh, no, no, no. And it gets worse. So at the site of the murder, so like after everything's cleared and everything, it basically became a tourist attraction. Okay. Yeah. It was said that people would come from all around to see this site, even, you know, even when everything's gone. But, you know, there's like blood stains in the grass and things like that. And a couple of articles I was reading on this was saying that there'd be a thousand cars coming through there on the weekend each day. It's a lot of fucking people. And there was a picture of the crowds and stuff. It was crazy. Uh And it pretty much turned into a fucking carnival, basically, because vendors set up. They sold popcorn. That's what I was going to say. Like, they better have food. They sold popcorn, soda, peanuts, all that shit. They did. And somebody decided to be a little entrepreneur and took some of the, like, dirt soil from the area of the crime scene. And they were selling it in little bags for 25 cents each. I mean, I'm not going to hate on that. (laughs) I mean... 1920s, it was prohibition. People weren't drinking. This is the shit that happens. True, true. And besides the soil person, people would just, they like stripped that crab apple tree that was right there. They took branches. They took the bark. They took everything. So it was left completely bare. They just wanted a souvenir. That poor tree didn't do anything. Right? Now, obviously, investigation starts right away, which was led by Joseph E. Sticker. And the authorities took a look at both spouses first, as, you know, you do in these situations. And the autopsies also revealed that the pair had been dead for a bit of time. They had actually been killed on the 14th. So, of course, when they go to get their alibis and their timelines and stuff, they backed up to then. And what was interesting was that when it came to James, they, like, talked to him and stuff, but they were like, He's dull, so he's not capable of something like this. He's a, quote, simple person. Oh, damn. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're too boring to kill people. I guess. But, you know, he gave his alibi and the timeline and stuff, and it did check out. That day, he had been home most of the evening, and some neighbors had ended up backing up his story, saying that they saw and, like, could hear him doing woodwork that evening. And they weren't friend-friends with him. They were just neighbors, so it's not like they had anything to lose to, you know, it's not like they covered up for him or anything. 
So they had their interview with James and then they they left. And then James also said he did leave the home late that night between like 2 and 2.30 a.m. because he had, I'm assuming, woke up and saw his wife wasn't home and he was concerned. So he went to the church to see if she was there and she wasn't. And that was really all that. Now, the focus is Francis, who, spoiler, that's who they hone in on. She said that kind of a similar thing, saying that like she became worried about her husband not being home. So at 2 or 3 a.m., she went out and over to the church with her brother Willie to go see where Edward was, but had no luck and then went home. They having some like long ass Bible studies at that church. Right. What the fuck? Now, both spouses said they didn't run into each other on their search. James said he never saw her and vice versa. And to dive in a bit more into the Francis angle, they don't think she worked alone. They actually think that Willie, her other brother, Henry, and her cousin, who's also named Henry, had something to do with this. They thought that Francis had maybe found out about the affair. And the family is like, we gonna take care of this. Don't fuck with us. Bye bye. Kind of thing. Because they also did not like him because they thought she was marrying way too below her kind of thing. Her family did not like him. Now, the case would be seen before a grand jury that November. Unfortunately, they would decide, well, yes, all fingers pretty much point to Francis and her brothers and cousin. There really wasn't any hard evidence for them to go off of. So it was really just speculation. So, you know. Rich people doing what they do and get away with double murder. Oh, wow. Yes. Now it's going to be left kind of a cold case for a few years, but let's jump ahead now to 1926. So four years later, a man whose name was Arthur came to authorities because he had some information in regards to this case. He said that his soon-to-be ex-wife had been hiding secrets from him. I'm going to also guess that's kind of why they split up, but you know. Not really important. But what was important was she was a former maid of Francis. She used to work for her. Oh. And the fucked up thing is like, I could not find this maid's name. It just kept saying former maid. So yay 20s. He had said that, one, she knew Willie had the same gun that Edward and Eleanor were killed with. And two, that Edward and Eleanor were planning to run away to be together. Like he was stashing money and they were going to go elope, I guess, kind of thing. I don't know how you're going to do that if you're already married. Well, it's the 1920s. That's true. And then obviously Francis found out somehow. But then three, that the ex-maid was paid $5,000 to keep her mouth shut and not say anything about any of this. So, of course, after he talks to the police... Leaks happened to the media, and the newspaper business wasn't doing too great at this point, so uh, of course they're going to run it because they want more readers, and it actually worked for them. Makes sense. The New York Daily Mirror ran headlines like, quote, Hall Mill Murder Mystery, Bribery Revealed, Hall Spies Held Town in Terror, and just, you know, crazy stuff like that. Just dramatic ass whatever they can get that's attention grabbing. And the hype around this case became so much that the governor, A. Harry Moore, actually ordered for a new investigation and a new trial on this case. It's like how Carol Baskin happened. (laughs) Pretty much. But with social media. Yes. But if you think about it, and like 100 years ago, newspaper was essentially their social media. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So the second trial began on November 3rd of 1926. 
The newspapers were calling it the trial of the century. And of course, that gets used for like every kind of big case. But, you know, I mean, calm down, 1920s. (laughs) Manson hasn't happened. Right. BTK hasn't happened. OJ Simpson hasn't happened. Like you have a lot to contest with. So many. You need to calm yourself, 1920s. And because it was getting all of this media attention and stuff, it spread, of course. You know, like I said, the New York Times reported about it. And people came from all over to watch these court proceedings and very well-known people and celebrities and things like that. Damon Runyon? Runyon? I don't know. The dude who wrote Guys and Dolls. He was there reporting on it. Oh, okay. And it was exactly what you expect. There was a lot of drama throughout this trial. So first off, they ended up reading the love letters there in the courtroom between Edward and Eleanor. Of course, I have some excerpts for you. Sweetheart, my true heart, Eleanor wrote. I know there are girls with more shapely bodies, but I'm not caring what they have. I have the greatest part of all blessings, a noble man's deep, true, eternal love. How impatient I am and will be. I want to look up into your dear face for hours as you touch my body close. It was nice until that last line. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I was like, oh, how poetic. Oh, you made it nasty. I have some from Edward. It's going to get nastier. Oh. <laughs> so from Edward, darling wonder heart, I just want to crush you for two hours. I want to see you Friday night alone by our road where we can let out unrestrained that universe of joy and happiness we call ours. Dude just wants a fuck, Okay. <laughs> I did not realize crushing it had been like a thing for a while. Like, damn. Okay. Apparently. Apparently. You're going to crush it. Gross. <laughs> uh, and he's signed himself as DTL, which was thy true lover in German. So he is wanny. And Eleanor preferred using a less formal kind of signature. She referred to the pastor as babykins. So there was all kinds of stuff. You can find them on the interwebs. But those two were kind of honorable mentions for y'all. I will live my life without reading more. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, there was a ton of witnesses for this. I think they had pulled in about 60 to 80. They pulled in a lot of people on the witness stand. But there's one that was the most important. And that was Jane Gibson. She was a hog farmer. And it was actually her property or right near her property where they were found. Sadly, though... This didn't go so great. Sadly, the defense did everything in their power to discredit her. So the big problem was that apparently when she was recounting all the events of what she heard and saw, there was sometimes some changes in what she was saying, like when she would talk to the police, the media, and then in court. But it's like with court, this is, what, four years or so after it happened? Like, I don't know. Oh, let me also mention she was also battling cancer during this. Like, she was very, very sick. She was so, like, in such bad health that she was actually brought in by a doctor and two nurses on, like, a stretcher and put on a hospital bed there in the courtroom. She couldn't even walk in. Oh, damn. Yeah. So basically, she had said that she heard a commotion that night. So she, you know, went out to go try to find the source of the noise, be like, what the fuck's going on? And once she got closer, she said she heard what sounded like a struggle and then gunshots and then heard a woman's voice yell Henry and also explain these love letters. But sadly, her inconsistencies and all of that is what kind of bit her in the ass and got her discredited. And then also her own mother was there and being such a fucking bitch. And she was like, she's crazy. She I don't know what she's talking about. Blah, blah, blah. Like she's making shit up. She's a liar. 
like her own mom. So winner. <laughs> what a wonderful mother. Right. And another thing, too, the media kept calling her the pig lady. How rude. I'm like, OK, I guess she's a hog farmer, but that's rude as fuck. And then, of course, you know, we see this all the time with, you know, people in the hot seat. They bring up all the stuff to make them look like unsavory and not trustworthy and things like that. So apparently Jane was divorced. So they went through all that and brought all that up and then tried to bring up alleged affairs, which, you know, don't know if they're real or not. But they brought all that up. And sadly, that all worked. Most people didn't believe her. She was being called pig lady in the fucking newspapers. So, yeah, their most important witness for the prosecution didn't really work. So because of that and there was lack of any new evidence to change their minds, Frances, her brothers and cousin were all acquitted again on December 3rd. Of course, just in time for fancy Christmas. Right. And then they went and turned around and decided to sue the New York Daily Mirror and another publication that was running a lot of the stories for slander and libel. And they both settled out with them. They were awarded three million dollars. The fuck, people? Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't sound like they were just reporting the facts. Sounds like they were taking like artistic licensing. Right. Pig lady. Yeah, I know, right? And another uh, interesting fact for you. About two months after all of this, she moved to Europe. She left. She peaced out. She's like, bye. Got my money. See ya. So that's interesting. And then, you know, other theories, because let me just tell you guys, this case even today is officially not solved. I'm pretty sure we can, you know, agree on who probably who did this. But technically speaking, it's unsolved. So other theories had came out that this was done by someone from the KKK, which I don't know. I didn't see any links to that for them to be a part of that or anything like that. The victims were white, so it's not like either of them were members gone, something gone bad type of thing. And then other people were just saying it must have just been a robbery gone wrong. But I'm sorry. The way Eleanor was attacked, that's not a robbery gone wrong. That was a personal fucking attack. Like, come on. So, in my opinion, those theories are bullshit and just stupid excuses people were trying to shove in the front. Right. To get the heat off Francis and her bros. But, like I said, it's still unsolved even to today. Nothing officially ever happened, but the witness's story is just so specific. Even if there was, like, little changes and stuff, you know, shit happens or whatever, but it's, like, it's so specific. Like, a guarantee. fucking tea. Francis knew, and she didn't, I don't know if they had, like, a prenup or anything like that. You know, maybe she's like, you're a cheating fuck. I don't want to pay you any money if we separate or get divorced. So let me have you killed. Well, like most people in their prenups, if like you're the one who would stand to gain, there's like an infidelity clause. And this goes back like forever that if that person commits infidelity, they would then give up all of their money. True. Yeah, which, you know, there was nothing on anything like that. So that's obviously kind of just speculation. Right. But yeah, I just think it was they just wanted to get rid of the problem. It kind of seems like this might be more about the money versus the actual affair. Because if you think about it, like this is 1922, right? So they have since like for five years been rumored to be having an affair. So at some point, you know, Francis has confronted him privately. This is probably, in my opinion, more about the money he was setting aside. Like he was probably taking more money than he was supposed to. And she's like, I don't fucking care that you're going to leave type thing. Mm -hmm. She could have just up and left him. 
I mean, I get that at that time, like, people didn't really get divorced, and that was something that was considered really uncouth. But, like, rich people also can live their own life and do what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was just she was pissed off about the money, and she's like, see you later. I'm untouchable. We're untouchable. So, execute in the most disgusting way to say that. I feel like that was her attitude. Right. And it probably was the way to confront him. Like, she probably put two and two together that there was, like, an affair happening and that he was stealing money to, like, run away. And it probably at some point was, like, mentioned in a letter. Starting over, whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, we just need a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, like, damn, did he just get straight to the point on his love letters. <laughs> I'd like to crush you. I'd like to crush you. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, so that is the Hall Mills murder mystery sent to us over by Kitty. So yeah, thank you, Kitty, for sending that over to us. And thank you so much for supporting our show. It really does mean everything to us. We are so appreciative. Yes, Kitty, thank you so much, um, not only for giving us this episode, but for continuing to support us and the show. We really appreciate it. And this was fun to hear about. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely interesting to research since it was one I hadn't heard about. So I found it very interesting for sure. But that is going to wrap us up today. If you would like your own episode here, you can join us on Patreon. That's in the show notes below in the link tree. Or you can go to patreon.com slash three spooked girls at our 10 or higher tier. That gets you all kinds of cool stuff, including your own episode. So definitely check it out if that is something you want to see, do, whatever kind of thing. And we still have our free five bonus episodes up there as well if you kind of want to listen to what the bonus content over there is like because it's similar but a little different, a little different. But yeah, we hope you guys are doing well and enjoyed this episode and are having a great week. We will be back on Monday for a regular full-length episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.